Welcome back to the Master of None podcast, where we go 365 days, bringing you a podcast every single day. Nothing is off the table. The intention of this podcast is to master the short form podcast, as well as informing, as well as entertaining. So sit back, relax, and listen, and enjoy the show. So for today, obviously, if you're new to this podcast, we do Mastercast on Sunday. And the Mastercast in itself is almost a reflection of the week, understanding the process of content creation that I'm in. Um, and sometimes just trying to do a better job of articulating my thoughts. You know, sometimes I do so much um, outrospective podcasts. Sometimes I like to do introspective um, as it relates to the show. And this show in itself is a 365 podcast. So podcasting every day produces its challenges. So I want to get into the episode tonight, kind of just starting off with uh, it's that time of year, you know, where people are graduating and actually ended up going to a graduation tonight. And I think like the older you get, um, whenever you go to a high school graduation, in a lot of ways, you flash back to where you were at that point and understand your development and where you are. So tonight's podcast is going to be titled Understanding Your Edges. So let's get into it. I think so much of understanding your edges is about understanding where your shortcomings are. And it's like whenever we, we, we look at ourselves in an introspect, whenever we look at ourselves internally, it's really important to understand, you know, where we might have issues and where we are. It's like whenever I started living this life, you know, not to sound like too dramatic, but around third grade, I was diagnosed with dyslexia and it really forced me to kind of come to terms with a lot of things that I don't process words the same way. And as a result of it, you know, I had to go into special ed and deal with things that other kids didn't really have to deal with. Yeah. Up to this time, I was like a normal, healthy kid living life and doing whatever I had to do and passing class. In third grade, you kind of hit that level because, you know, when I was in school, Bill Clinton was president and he created the... Um, the Education Act, where you had to learn how to read before you passed third grade. And I didn't pass third grade, I actually ended up failing it. And I think sometimes, you know, whenever we think about our edges, it's like there's so much programming that takes place internally at a young age. And and we think about it because it has so much power over our development, and it makes sense. I mean, if we're living traumatic experiences, we're living any type of experiences from the age of of, of that until 25, it really takes hold. And, you know, 25 is, is when your brain um, quits formulating. And as a, of it, as a result of it from quit forming, um, you know, you start to identify your identity because your brain is still growing. And after 25 is a transition point. So really everything you experience from birth to 25 is the process of understanding who you are and how you perceive the world around you. And so much about perceiving the world around you is really what dictates your success, not only in a like in a in a career sense, but also who you are as a person and how people perceive you. Um, I think sometimes what happens is we we kind of forget that. You know, how do people perceive us? Because sometimes we're always so focused on the world around us, you know. 
And I think about that because what happened when I was in third grade, you know, there was a teacher and what my teacher told me is as a result of having dyslexia, I was at a higher level of going to jail. And most people like me end up in prison because we can't read. Um, and I think hearing that at a really young age, like kind of put, set a tone to be like, I'm kind of on a narrow path. You know, I have, you know, I was really aware of certain things at a young age. You know, I was really aware of kids who were like doing drugs and, and what they wanted to do and the threshold of like what drugs people were doing and how dangerous they were. And I was exposed to a lot of it because when you are dyslexic, what happens is you end up looking for the outcast group, the group that, you know, isn't isn't always being accepted by society and, and, and you find acceptance within that group. You know, drinking at a young age, being exposed to certain things, but I never lost sight that, you know, because I couldn't read like everyone else, I knew that I had, I was a little bit more more susceptible to certain situations. And, you know, and it's even, you know, there's a study done at the University of Texas in Austin that indicated about 50% of inmates, they believe, has dyslexia or some form of not being able to read. Because whenever you can't read, it's really the quintessential point of how a person formulates their ego about themselves within school because they're able to process information. And if you can't process information that's given in the format, format of the industrial complex of education, it really can establish a aspect of yourself that really isn't true. You know, if we look at the whole point of education and transition during the industrial period, because what happens is they had to create streamlined approaches to educate people in order to work in factories and develop different approaches for building stronger economies. You know, that's really where the school system took place. And as a result of that, how they streamlined education is from reading. Because up to that point, you know, education was really based on a entrepreneurial aspect. If you can imagine your father did it, so you did it, you know, so etc. You know, there wasn't a need for text and reading as there is now or even in the modern period. You know, in fact, communication on people obtaining wealth is really based on your geographic location. You didn't have these global um, commerce taking place and resulting of it. So whenever we get to the transition point of the 1900s, and the, a lot of people formulate you can't read, what happens is whenever you can't read, you create a thought process that allows you to be considered an outcast. You know, not being able to read is, is, is really crazy. And there's a lot of different people with dyslexia that really suffer from it. I mean, some people do really well, but what it tells us is out of turmoil, you know, you can either rise to the occasion or fall, you know, and that's really what understanding your edges is all about. For example, if I tell you Richard Branson has dyslexia, he's an incredibly wealthy CEO. Um, Steve Jobs had formulates dyslexia. Albert Einstein is believed to have dyslexia. So individuals who see the world a little bit different as a result of processing information differently is really how you can kind of understand what dyslexia is. And I and I really want to apologize. You know, I'm trying to get my microphone where it needs to be, but I've been having a lot of consistent issues with it as it relates to trying to determine what's going on. I ordered a new microphone, but... The microphone wasn't really working because I have to get another jack, so I'm still talking through 
my Apple microphone, so just bear with me. Tomorrow the quality will be better, I promise you. Um, but as it relates to this whole situation of understanding education from Albert Einstein, it's you have two, you have two schools of thought. You can either rise above your edge as it relates to dyslexia, or you can fall. You know, and if 50% of the education um, education program has it, it tells us that feeling like a failure is a real thing. You know, being forced to go into special ed and, and creating an ideology, creating an ideology about yourself that you're stupid has a more likelihood where you feel like you're less than so you commit crime. Like, I remember this TED Talk that was going in deep about dyslexia. And the, the, the gentleman, I can't remember his name, but the gentleman indicated that incest and not being able to read holds the same level of shame. Like, think about that. And it's like, whenever we think about this, our edges are really, really important about how we formulate who we are as people. And sometimes I, I had to battle a lot of this. You know, it's like I formulated my ideology, my thought process until I was 25 about the world around me. And a lot of it was based on using substance, drinking to connect with people. Um, so much so that sometimes I would make myself the clown, you know, and that's really what happens with people of dyslexia whenever they're in the classroom since they either make themselves the clown or they make themselves the bully. Sorry, I am all over the place with this recording and I really apologize. Um, and it breaks down to these kind of concepts. For me, it did. And then it got to a point to where I really started believing it. And... I'm talking about this tonight because I think for me, my edge is not necessarily dyslexia, but the ideology and the thought process I put about it in my emotions. It's like when I was 30, I ended up getting my master's degree and it was really difficult. I took hours and hours for me to write papers. I developed new processes in order to do it. And it was just a grueling time. And I had no idea why I'm doing it, but... As a result of getting out of it, I had this programming that I'm like, everything is going to be super hard from here on out. And I believe that. And as a result of believing in it, it's like I attracted those types of opportunities. I got a, you know, I was really in a state of stress so much so that I got shingles. Like when I was 20, um, like 31 years old. And the doctor's like, why do you feel, like, why do you have shingles? Like, I even don't see this until elderly people. And it's like. I don't know how much stress you're dealing with, but you really need to get it under wraps. And a lot of stress and anxiety about it has carried over. So whenever we get to this point, I really just want to make it evident that 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 you have to make a transition point within your thinking. And the transition point actually occurred when I met my wife. And, you know, she's like, you don't have to think this way. And I would argue with her about how I needed to maintain this thought about being dyslexia and what it meant to my ideology my stories you know and then I started to believe it didn't matter and I started to get into a thought process that dyslexia doesn't really matter because I have so many other skill sets and I was in a job in an environment where people believed in me and it really changed my thought press on it and then you know I don't really think about me being dyslexic anymore but it used to haunt me daily but sometimes the residual effect of it still I still dabble with. And that's the concept of feeling like a failure and not being enough. And it's like when I say that out loud, it's really like, you know, you know, the way you perceive yourself has so much power over you. So much so that you don't even really identify it and you just correlate it into a subconscious programming. So you have to be able to deviate from that programming. And what happens too is like 
when you formulate your thoughts around 25 about the world around you, it kind of gets baked in. Obviously, it can change, but it takes time. But my question for you would be like, who did you think you were at 25? Or who do you think you will be at 25 if you're not there yet? All right, you think about your, your identity at 25, and then can you can you find differentiating factors that you were able to develop and understand different concepts around the world and people and relationships? Because it feels like around 25, you really start to understand, oh, there's there's a whole world around me, and I need to be able to kind of identify what it is, and I need to be able to figure out where I fit into it. Well, I was in grad school, and grad school really formulated that for me afterwards, and it really created a world that wasn't fun. You know, when I think about what grad school did for me, it did help me get my job, but it also made me believe that the world around me couldn't be fun, and I couldn't be successful in a fun way, and that's like really dangerous. Like to think that you have to grind every single day at your job and not be happy is really a dangerous way of thinking. It's like the principles of dying before you even truly understand your potential, which to me is the biggest fear in the world. And I had this like this whole belief system that you had to work really, really, really hard every single day. And it's like, why? I mean, obviously people get a lot out of it, but if you're able to find the rhythm of work and not kill yourself and make more money, you know, which one would you pick? You know, I understand the grind because it does allow you to develop a better understanding of who you are, but there's a time and place. You know, there's a time and place for it all. And I think sometimes I thought I was going to have to grind out and work a certain job forever until I could get to a certain point financially, and that's just not true. You know, you got to be able to, you have to really be able to have the imagination. And it always goes back to this quote, that Albert Einstein had where he said imagination is more important than knowledge. And it's like, think about that. You know, the ability for you to believe and understand your capabilities is more important than what you actually know. And think about that. And it's that's when I started to transition my thinking to be like, anything can be possible. Anything can be done. Any job is available. You know, it's like, that's the process of how if you are truly at a point of feeling your edges and, and thinking the world has nothing to offer you or thinking you have to be in a box or stuck in a cubicle, I would challenge you to be like, think about your perfect life and think about everything you want and do it consistently, maybe in the morning. You know, one thing that I would really like to start in doing is every morning before I get on the bed, have a moment where you're grateful for where you're at, but then have about 15 not 15, but amount of time where you visualize where you want to be. It's like I was reading this quote the other day, and it said, like, if you did something 18 minutes a day for one year, you'd be better than 90% of the population. And when I read it, I'm like, I don't really know what that means or if I believe it. Because I'm like, the only thing I can really equate it to is podcasting. And I wouldn't say I'm better than 90% of the population at podcasting. I wouldn't even know how to, like, rate that. Um, what I say I got better than I was when I first started, I feel like it's questionable. I feel like I'm kind of still at the same place, but that's for y'all to decide and really not me. But I think about it too, and then the 10,000 hour rule where you get to do something 10,000 hours to truly master it. Now, whenever I heard this and I think about it, but it's like we think about like 10,000 hours and that's a lot of hours. You know, if I look at, I did the math and I averaged out the Joe Rogan experience and I looked at the episodes, and there's about, I think, 1,993 
And then I gave him a three-hour average of that to determine if, if he's even been podcasting for 10,000 hours and he's at the highest level of podcasting and it's only 5,000 hours. So I'm like, I don't know. I mean, we look at this 10,000 hours, we look at the time in, and I think sometimes people get it at an earlier age. And you're probably like, this is, you know, and, and the point I'm trying to make is I had to pivot in my thinking. And the pivot really came at a point where I met my wife and she challenged me on what I believed about my ideology myself as it relates to dyslexia. Once that pivot happened, it really allowed me to be put in environments and imagine where it could be. And I've, I've kind of landed in a position, a job now where it's so crazy that I was recruited for it. I didn't even apply for it. It's like four years I was applying for jobs nonstop, applying sometimes for 50 jobs a day, tailoring my resume, you know, I did everything I could in order to get a job. I, I even tried out for special forces within the army. They had a National Guard weekend. I really thought I wanted to do that, and I failed. I was even trying to get into diplomatic security, which was a dream of mine, and that failed. It, those didn't work out the way I wanted, and that's, that's, that's perfectly fine. They were all learning steps for me to get me to a point where I am now, where my hours are flexible, and I have to obviously work and show proof of what I'm doing but I don't have to be in a cubicle every day and I don't have to lose myself as it relates to working you know it's like because sometimes you meet those people who put everything they have into their work and then they're retired in 20 years and they don't know what they're going to do and to me that's crazy because what it tells me is like you never put the investment in yourself that allowed you to be to pick something else up and then try new um, you know, and I think about that as it relates to traveling and how, you know, for me right now, traveling is like the most important thing because I really want to see the world out there and I really want to know how things are different in different cultures and customs. And, you know, sometimes whenever you live in the United States, you kind of get trapped in a bubble. But the intention of this Mastercast is really to tell you, understand your edges and and if you are believing things about yourself that are negative then understand how to pivot on them you know and write it down and chip away at it it's like confucius had this really great great quote that said it doesn't matter how slow you go as long as you don't stop and i think that's really the essence of it it's like don't stop believing i don't mean to quote the song but don't stop, you know, even if it's a little bit of belief or a little bit of hope, it's still hope that's relative to what you need to do and what you need to believe and how you can overcome the situation you're in. Um, dyslexia had a real hold on me and I really believed I was, I couldn't do anything and I would tell people in interviews and it was embarrassing. And I got to a point in four years where I didn't even really have to go through the interview process like everyone else. I was, I was recruited for a position. I still have the position. I'm doing well in it. But for me to have that happen in four years was truly magnificent. And I believe all of you can achieve that as well. And just remember one thing. The person you are today is the person you wanted to be three years ago. So if you can start thinking about it like that, it's like understand that the way you think of yourself is important. And I would say you don't have to do it 18 minutes a day. But go through a gratitude list and put a, put a thought process on where you want to be and what you'd like to see in the world, whether it be career, partnerships, things like that. 
And, and it'll, it can manifest, but you also have to work for it and be willing to be open for change. That's a big deal. Well, I appreciate you guys listening to this Mastercast. I've gone a little bit longer. Um, and if you're listening to this on Monday, good luck uh, on your week, and we'll get back to you tomorrow.